This audio presentation is brought to you by the Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary. The BMA Seminary provides accredited theological education for equipping God's people for Christ-centered service and leadership roles with three online degrees available now. We are committed to the inerrancy and authority of Holy Scripture and to making disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information about the BMA Seminary and its online degree programs, go to bmats.edu or call toll-free 800-259-5673. That's 800-259-5673. We're going to be back in Genesis chapter 22 for our primary text. And so uh, turn your Bibles back to there. My dad uh, taught me many things growing up, as most fathers will do for their sons. He taught me how to mow the grass, and he taught me his way of mowing the grass. He had a particular way he wanted the grass mowed, and that's the way he taught me. And guess what? That's the way I still mow the grass today, and the way that he taught me. Taught me how to change oil in the mower and maintain all of that each season, and had the privilege of doing that with my own sons a couple of weeks ago getting the mower ready for the season and had them standing there teaching them hands-on experience. And so we had a good time doing that. But he taught me a lot of other things, how to maintain a car, how to wash a car. He had a specific way of even washing a car. Uh, My dad was very specific about things and said, son, this is a good way to do it. And he taught me how to detail it inside and out. And guess what? I still do it that way today as I wash a car and do those kinds of things. But But dad was good to just teach me things of just how to maintain stuff, how to take care of the things that you have. But more than that, my dad taught me how to love the Lord. He taught me how to serve the Lord. And to me, that was even better than all the other things that a boy needs to know as he grows up and takes on his own family and how to do those things. But but a boy needs to also know how to grow up and be a man of God. And I'm thankful I had a dad that taught me how to be a man of God. He taught me uh, even how to do family devotions. As we were, as kids were younger, we often did family devotions. And I remember those times. It let me know that my dad's relationship to God is very important to him. And we were not the kind of family that would skip out on church on a Sunday. But we were always there every Sunday faithfully as he led singing and now you kind of know where I get some of that. But he did that, and, and uh, later on he became a deacon in the church and still serving in that capacity in a different church now where they are attending, but still very faithful now in his retirement years and enjoying that time, but still serving the Lord. The episode we're going to look at today uh, deals with some similar things to that. We see Abraham and Isaac together on a particular occasion on a two to three day journey of what they were about to experience and what God is about to teach us from his word. But Abraham had an opportunity with Isaac to pass on some things to him that were going to be very, very important for him later. So I've entitled this Lessons from a Faithful Father. Lessons from a Faithful Father. So we're going to look at this primarily from the standpoint of Isaac. What would Isaac have learned? What would Isaac have picked up by watching his father 
But then, as we get to the end of this sermon, we see there is a twist in this story. And so we want to stay tuned to that. But if we could maybe sum up this sermon in a sentence, it might be something like this, that the lessons of faith often come through times of testing. The lessons of faith often come through the times of testing. So let me start off by telling you five things that Isaac picked up and Isaac would have learned from Abraham during this episode that we read in Genesis 22. The text was read for us, so we won't read it again. We'll just allude to places as we come to it. But here's the first lesson I see Isaac learning from his father, and it's this. Make yourself available to God. Make yourself available to God. It begins in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and notice Abraham's response, here I am. Abraham making himself available unto God. Abraham had endured a lot of things already. There was this promise that God kept giving to him, a promise of descendants, a promise of how he would be a blessing to the rest of the world. But yet Abraham still didn't have a son. So he tried to, he and Sarah and Hagar tried to manufacture this thing. And we know how that turned out. It didn't turn out so well. In fact, Israel today is still fighting with the results of that. So that was a sin with long lasting results. But after these things, we see Abraham dealing with that. But, but God does eventually give them that promised son. And then toward the end of, of chapter 21, we find that Abraham, it says of him, that he sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. And up above that in verse 33, that he called on the name of the Lord while he was there in Beersheba, the everlasting God. Abraham was in a good place. Abraham was, we might say, was on a spiritual high. And so God comes along and says, I think Abraham needs a test. And God did indeed test him. But notice Abraham's willingness to do whatever God wanted him to do when he said, here I am. We see this phrase throughout Scripture twice. Jacob will say it to God. And later on in the book of Genesis, uh, in Genesis chapter 31, Jacob is living in, under Laban's care, but, but God knows it's time for Laban to take his wives and, and to go back to his land. And so in a dream, Jacob hears God speaking to him, and we hear Jacob saying, here I am. Later on, when Jacob is older, and uh, Joseph has come about, and all that that happened with uh, his brothers, and now Joseph is trying to get all the family back into the land of Goshen, into Egypt, Jacob didn't want to go, but God called and Jacob said again, here I am. We find Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter three and verse four. Moses sees this sight taking place, a bush on fire, but not being consumed. So curiosity got the best of him. And as he approached the bush, the voice of God spoke. And what do you think Moses said? Here I am. He made himself available. Samuel in 1 Samuel, when God was trying to call Samuel, Samuel at first thought it was Eli the priest that was calling him one night. And three times he got up and went to Eli, but it was God that was calling him. And finally Eli figured it out. He said, next time God calls, you say, your servant is listening. 
Each time before that, he said, here I am, thinking it was the priest. Isaiah, we hear him saying it in Isaiah chapter 6, in verse 8, when he sees that great, that great vision of what he saw in heaven. And God calls out, who will go for us? And Isaiah, here I am. I will go. I will be your speaker. I will be your prophet. Even in the New Testament, Ananias in Acts chapter 9 and verse 10, after the conversion of Saul, Ananias was told by the Lord to help out Saul. And when God spoke to Ananias, Ananias said, here I am. We find people throughout Scripture that were willing to make themselves available to God. What about us? Do we make ourselves available to God? When through His Spirit, He speaks to us and says, I I need you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to speak to this person. Whatever it might be, are we willing and are we available to God? Or do we often do what sometimes we do and we begin to make excuses? We tell God, wait a minute. Or we tell God, well, I don't know that, that I can do that. And we come up with all kinds of excuses. And I know at home, when I call one of my children, I expect them to come. You know, if they're maybe in the back bedroom and I hear some commotion, maybe some bickering between siblings, you know how that works. And I call one of them out. They know they better come. Because if I have to keep calling and I have to go to them, it might get violent. It might get ugly. Well, it's kind of the same way with God. When He calls, we better be ready and available to go to Him. You know, the song we sang a while ago, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. I heard a preacher one time say this, that a lot of Christians sing the song differently. And they say, take my life and let me be. In other words, let me alone. I'll give you my life, give me eternal life, give me heaven. But after that, let me take control of my life. Salvation doesn't work that way. When we give our life to the Lord, we commit ourselves to Him and we need to be available unto God. And that's what we see with Abraham. He said, here I am. So we need to make ourselves available. But more than that, we need to be determined to be obedient to God. It's one thing to be available. It's one thing to say, here I am. And then God speaks and then we say, whoop. I didn't know that's what you wanted. I didn't know you wanted me to go on the mission field. I didn't know you wanted me to leave this church and go to another church. I'm comfortable here. I I don't want to do that. Being available and being obedient are two separate things. That's where we got to start at availability. But then we got to move very quickly into obedience. And what do we read of Abraham? After God told him exactly what he needed to do. Take your son, your only son, the one you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, got everything ready. Now, if I would have been told what Abraham was told, I'd be looking for ways to, to make this thing last longer. I might have slept in. The next morning, knowing what I was going to have to wake up and begin on this journey to do that. God, you want me to do what? Sacrifice my son. I mean, it wasn't this the same son that 
you promised years ago and and finally it came about and and now you want me to kill him. You don't find anywhere in here where Abraham is is trying to reason this thing out. But all we have of the text is that he rose up early and was set on being obedient. And then as it reads further that on this journey on the third day, as they're now getting to the place, the place there in the land of Moriah. By the way, that word Moriah is mentioned again in 2 Chronicles 3 and verse 1. Where Solomon built the temple of God on the Mount of Moriah. I think that's significant. What we have taking place near this same vicinity. Now the scripture is not clear exactly where that is. But at least in the land of Moriah. In that mountain range where this land is. Moriah which means chosen by Jehovah. A land that God chose for his own. A land that God chose for the place that his very temple would be built. A land chosen that one day his son would eventually be crucified on a cross in this very area. This is where we see all of this taking place. And it says on the third day when Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place. You know, he had a couple days to think about it, didn't he? They're traveling. He's got a couple servants with him. Got everything he needs for what he needs to do. And you can imagine the thoughts going through Abraham's mind. He loved Isaac. There's no doubt about that. That Abraham loved his son. But yet he was willing to be obedient. Just as we see with Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 9. In verse 51, where Luke reminds us of the determination of Jesus when it says that Jesus literally set his face toward Jerusalem. Jesus knowing what he would encounter. Jesus knowing what would take place on that given day when he would offer up himself as a sacrifice. The place. You know, Jesus was in Jerusalem several times through his ministry for various feasts. Gatherings. How many times did his eyes behold that place where he knew he would be crucified? And he saw that. And no doubt within his stomach, those those knots began to turn. And Jesus knowing what that place would mean for him. As far as Abraham knows at this point, this place also means a place of devastation for he and his family. He already had to get rid of one son. Uh, Ishmael, God told him, listen to your wife. She's telling you to do this and this is a good thing. You need to get rid of the son of the flesh. Read in Galatians chapter 4. Paul talks a lot about that. About what that truly means for us spiritually. That the son of the flesh has no place with the son of the promise. So we already had to get rid of Ishmael whom he loved. Came from his own loins. That was devastating. And now God is telling him, get rid of the other one. At least Ishmael got to live. Ishmael was going to be in a different place, but he was going to continue to live. And and God promised me that he would take care of Ishmael. So there was some peace there. But now, it's death. He wants me to kill my son. We all have been called to a place of obedience. God did not save us And convert us and bring us into his family. That we could just sit back somewhere and do nothing. 
But we are to be obedient to what he wants for us. In fact, that's the only job we've got in God's kingdom is obedience. Just do what he says. Now, I know that sounds simple, but really that's what it all comes down to. That God has called us to that and it's going to mean tons of different things for every one of us. What does it mean to be obedient for you is going to be different for me. Other than what we see in the word and how we are to live, that's the same for everybody. But the direction he takes us, the service we do, he has called us to obedience. Jesus is our Lord. That means when we, the day we're converted, it's no longer about me. But it becomes all about God. It becomes all about my service for him and living for him. He is our Lord. He is our master. And we, in relation to him, are his servant. And when he comes calling, we need to be like Abraham and say, here I am. And whatever God says to do, we need to get up early and do it. Whatever it is, no matter if we understand it or not. I mean, I've, I've felt God's leading me to do things that I just thought, that just don't sound right. God, I don't understand that. Why are you choosing me for this particular task? In fact, when I was... Um, Finished up Bible college at Central Baptist College. Uh, I, was, I had a great desire, one to pastor. And shortly thereafter, uh, right after graduating, really right before graduation itself, I began serving in a church. And I enjoyed that. For five years, I was pastoring and enjoying the work that I was doing, but yet God began tugging at my heart, saying, David, you need to further your education. He put people in my life that encouraged me to do that. I was hesitant at first. Like, no, I, I think I've got what I need to do what, what God has called me to do. But, but I didn't know the big picture yet. I didn't know one day that I'd be in Jacksonville, Texas teaching seminary. God had a plan. And if I had been disobedient and didn't go through that route, I'd still be outside of the will of God today. God called, even though I didn't understand it, even though I was thinking, I don't want to take tests anymore. I don't want to write any more papers. But yet God said, David, do it, do it. And even tried to get out of Ph.D. work, really got my MDiv. I thought, well, well, surely, God, this is enough. He wouldn't let me shake it. And I went on. I know why now. Be obedient. You never know what God is going to do in your life how God is going to use you. Make yourself available. Determine to be obedient. Thirdly, possess confident faith. Not only does Isaac see his father ready to do what God wanted him to do and willing to do what God wanted him to do, but he saw his father possessing great faith. This is mentioned in verse 5 and 7. When they finally got to that place, Abraham said to the young men, his servants who were with him, you stay here with the donkey and, and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. I notice the plural use of the pronoun there. We, myself and my son, we are going to go worship and we, both of us, will come back. What faith. Abraham didn't understand how all this was going to go yet. All he knew at the moment I'm supposed to crucify and slay my son. But yet he had enough faith to believe that, that this son who is the son of promise that God said through him, 
Through him there would come many descendants. If he's dead, that can't happen. So the Bible says in Hebrews that we read a while ago, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 19, that Abraham believed that even God could raise people from the dead. Meaning, in this case, even if I slay my son, God can raise him up again. That the promise does not die. What? Faith. Abraham or Isaac saw this in action. Now Isaac had his own doubts. While Abraham's exhibiting all kinds of faith. In verse 6, he took the wood, put it on Isaac. Abraham himself carrying the knife and the fire. In verse 7, Isaac speaks. He's been observing a lot of things. And he calls out, my father. And notice what Abraham says. Here I am. (laughs) Abraham's been waiting for this. He says, I see that we have everything we need for the sacrifice. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Maybe Isaac himself getting a little concerned about what is really going to take place here. But again, Abraham's faith shines through. Where Abraham says in verse 8, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Don't worry about this. God's got this. God's in control. And God will take care of these things. What faith that Abraham exhibited. You know, we put our faith and our trust in God. It'll never be shattered. Because God doesn't fail, right? We all agree with that this morning. God does not fail. When he promises to be with you, when he promises to take care of you, he's going to do that no matter what he asks you to do. We can trust God and know that our faith will never be shattered in him. I have put my faith in some people and they have shattered my trust. I have put my faith in things that have shattered my trust. Get out in the morning. That car has let me down. Or you go home and there's an appliance out. And uh, those things bother us. And, and we can't trust things. And we can't trust people completely. But we can trust God. When he calls for us to do things, when he calls for us to be obedient, he will be with us every step of the way. God doesn't call us to do things and pat us on the back. Say, you go get them. Good luck with all of that. No, God is with us, right? We're never alone in the things that God tells us to do. Abraham's faith just shines all over this text. So he showed his son the the faith that he needs to have even when you don't understand it. Even when you can't make heads or tail of of all that's taking place. Just just trust God. Walk with God. And he will see to it. I believe a fourth thing we see coming from Abraham to show his son is this. Love God above all others. Love God above all others. In other words, love God supremely. Again, there's no doubt that Abraham loved his son. He didn't want to have to kill his son. But God spoke. And Abraham said, okay, Lord, this is what you want. This is what I'm going to do. And Abraham made no pretense about it. He didn't just have all this stuff for show. But when they finally got to that place and 
And we find Isaac himself at this point being submissive to what's going on. Because he's already seen from a father who has exhibited great faith and willingness to do whatever is required. And now we find Isaac being willing as an older boy at this point. He could have ran away from dad. I'm sure he could have outrun him and got away from this situation. But Isaac didn't do that. He willingly laid there as his father was about to plunge that knife into his son. What did that teach Isaac? Isaac loved God supremely. Love him even above your children. Love him even above your spouse. You love God first and foremost. I mean, I have seen parents who who worship their children. And everything becomes about the child. And if if what the child wants to do means, hey, we got activities on Sunday morning. I've seen parents that will opt for that and and put Sunday morning worship and that gathering aside. Kind of demonstrating I love them more than I love God. God, I can't give you this time today because because this is happening. We've got to find a way to do that. We've got to find a way to put God first in all that we do. I know that sounds odd to think. Love him more than I love my wife. Love him more than I love my children. But yes, indeed, that's what it is. Loving him more. When we moved to Texas, listen, my wife, if you know my wife, she is an archie through and through. She loves Arkansas. And it took some doing for her to come to grips with the fact that we were picking up stakes and moving to a different place, a different state. But yet I knew that's where God was leading. And I knew despite those feelings and and those connections she had, I knew that we have to obey God because this is what God has said to do and He will work it out. He will make it. Okay. What great things Abraham is demonstrating to his son. I mean, do we love God that much? That we would would sacrifice the, the things for our wives and our children? Do we love him to that degree? Jesus says to do so, right? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God, right? With all your soul, with all your might, with all your mind to love him supremely. And then he said the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God above all others. Well, one other lesson Abraham gave unto his son. And that is this. Give worship that is due unto God. Give the worship that is due unto God. Just as Abraham said, just as Abraham believed and told his son, son, God will provide. What did God do? He provided, didn't he? I mean, it it was pretty close. (laughs) The way we read this text, I mean, he is, I mean, this is the image we got. Abraham means business and he's, he's about to make that one final movement to slay his son. And that is when the angel from heaven spoke and said, Abraham, don't do it. Don't do this thing. And off to the side was a ram caught in a thicket. I would imagine that 
They hadn't even seen that lamb, that, that ram yet. I mean, the focus was, was on the task. But there that ram was, caught in the thicket right at just the right moment. Because God is always what? On time. Alright, well, one of my, the uh, President Emeritus at Mid-America Baptist Seminary where I went, uh, he would always say, uh, God is never late, rarely early, but always right on time. And He is. His timing is always perfect. God provided. And that ram now is going to be offered in place of Isaac. Isaac no longer has to be slaughtered. But Abraham has showed his determination. Abraham, has, his faith has come shining through. This was a test. The Bible tells us it was a test. And I would say Abraham gets an A++++ on this particular occasion. This text reads that he did everything that was right. What God said to do. So what did they do? They took that ram and they sacrificed it. And just as Abraham told his servants, me and the lad are going to go worship. And we will return. So there they sacrificed. And there Abraham called the place. The Lord will provide. And there he worshipped and gave. The honor and glory that is due. Unto his name. I'm glad I was raised in a family. That worship was important. That worship was something that was not. Something you do on the weekend. If you got time. But it became the focal point. Of the weekend. But this is where we are going. This is where we're headed. And we rarely, rarely miss. Even on vacation times. We found a place to worship. Or we were with someone. And we worshiped with them. We need to do that. God is worthy of our worship. Great lessons. Isaac would learn on this trip from Beersheba to the land of Moriah. The story about Abraham and Isaac served, though, as something greater for us. As we see, Isaac was returned, as the end of Hebrews eleven nineteen says, Isaac was returned to his father as a type or as a figure. The actual word there is the word we get the word parable from. That it, it, was, a, it was a parable. It was telling us something greater. Just like when Jesus taught in parables. He told this earthly story, but there was a specific meaning behind it. So what is the twist of all of this? I think the twist of all of this is that God is pointing us to something greater with this story. Yeah, these lessons are great that Isaac is learning, and I think all of it's found there in the text. But what else is in the text? Well, just as Abraham had a son that he loved, so does God. God had a son whom he loved, his only Begotten Son. That we hear Him speak from heaven on the day that Jesus was baptized. This is my beloved Son. In whom I am well pleased. Oh, how God loved the Son. The place. We already mentioned this a little bit. But the place that Abraham focused on. Is in this same area. Where the Lamb of God. Was to be. Slain. Just as Abraham said, God himself will provide a lamb. And I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad he provided us the lamb of God, as John says, who comes to take away the sin of the world. Jesus, our lamb. Jesus, who when it came time like Isaac, was not bucking the system, 
But he willingly laid his life up and was sacrificed for us. Just as that wood was placed upon Isaac. So the cross that Christ was to bear. He had to carry part of that to the place on Golgotha where he would eventually be crucified. Just as Abraham carried the knife and the fire. So God the Father had the knife and fire in his hands when the sins of the world were placed upon Jesus Christ. And God's wrath came pouring down upon his son. Isaac is the figure. Isaac is the type was willing to uh, was willing to do this. But yet he was spared in place of Isaac. Something else would die for him. And in place of us, in place of what we deserve, our Jesus died for us. I believe the story points us to that substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. That he would die in my place. Thankful we have a heavenly father. Who loved us this much. Willing to give us of his son that he loved. Pour down his wrath upon his son whom he loved. So that one day when we came into existence. We would have hope. We would have the scripture that we could read about these things from our perspective and look back and see all that God has done and put our faith and trust in the only one who can save us. The only one is God himself who can save us from our sins. What great things God has done for us. Isaac had a faithful father in Abraham who taught him so many things. But oh, we have a heavenly father who is very faithful to us and has done these great things for us. Let's stand together as we prepare to dismiss. And I want us to close this morning with the doxology as we pray, as we sing that just our voices unto God as we close out this time. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him all